have all of you with us here today. I want to let you know, like, I'm, I have a few expectations for everybody today. Um, those of you on this side are going to have to work a little bit harder um, because these over here are bringing their A game today. Um, so I'm going to expect a little bit more. Everybody, you got to have to do a little bit more than your normal part. Y'all over here just might want to. No, no, bring it. We're going to have some fun here today. It is an exciting time to be at Catalyst. We are seeing God do great things. We, we've, as we've been going through this Experiencing God workbook, we've been doing the sermons, it's been in our connection groups, it's been on everybody's mind. We have, we have seen, I have seen, this is one of the advantages of, of being the preacher, is I have seen a lot of the changes begin to happen um, as a group of people, as a community of people. Um, and that's, one, because God works in the community. Like, in the Jewish mindset, there was never uh, my personal God. It was a community God. This, the community was blessed. The community sinned. There was never, they were such a people of, of culture that um, I see that happening here. But I also do see God working on hearts and minds, putting out challenges. One of the things he's working with me on is like, uh, that makes me feel real uncomfortable, God. And he was like, and? I'm like, but, but see, but like, I've committed my life to you, and I'm already doing these things, and I'm good here. He was like, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you to come over here, too. And I'm like, yeah, but um, he's like, yeah, we're going to have to figure this out. And I've learned over my years following this, like, he, he normally ends up winning. And uh, it normally is rough for me along the road when I'm trying to fight him. So I'm trying to be a little less obstinate at this point, and we'll see what happens. But as we're on this road to this new normal, we're trying to get back to whatever it is after the pandemic is going to become normal. It's not going to be the same as we had before. There are some changes in our lives, in our community, how we do service, all of the above. We're trying to get back to the new normal. And here at Catalyst, we are built on relationships, period. Everything we do is built to send us into relationship with each other and into a relationship with Jesus. So one of the things we're going to get back to doing is our connection cards. You see these in the back of the seats. You see them on the seats next to you. If you're online, you go to catalystchurch.info, and you can check them out there. What this does, like, I know old school, um, like, you would fill out one of these cards, and, like, the preacher would come knock on your door on, like, Tuesday night, and you're like, uh, don't let him in. Like, like and when we can see him at his place. He can't see us at our place. We're not doing that. I won't come knock on your door. No one's coming and knocking on your door. But we do like to have open lines of communication. So if you've never done this before, if you would fill this out with any information you would give to us, let me say one of the pieces of information we'd like to have is your name. Um, we've had people that's like, my name is John. Just John. Like, okay, how are we supposed to keep up with John? Um, if John has problems or prayer requests or whatever, like, We'd love to have your first and last name. If you have done one of these things for a long time, you can just put John down. And we know that you're here because we want to start new relationships or we want to keep um, the regulars and, and deepen relationships that we already have. One of the new things that we're doing is we're asking you, if you are in here or you're at home and you're watching us online, my people from Ohio, I see you up there. I'm loving that. If you would help us get the word out, just hit like or share. I know it's a whole bunch we're asking you to do. Boom. Okay. Um, if you subscribe on YouTube, it helps us get the word out. And here's who we're looking for here at Catalyst. We're looking for a very specific group of people. If you don't fit in this group of people, we don't want you here at Catalyst. 
Real simple. We are looking for real people who have real problems. If you're not one of those, like, we don't want you here. If you got everything together already, we might not be the church for you. But if you are struggling with some stuff, you're trying to figure out how to follow this real Jesus, you're our people. We'd love to have you with us. If you've got everything together already, we might not be the place for you. But if you would go ahead and fill out the connection cards, hit like, share, or subscribe, it would help us get the word out to real people who have real problems, and we can help introduce them to the real Jesus who takes care of a lot of that, who takes care of a lot of that. I want to take just a couple minutes here to brag on the Catalyst staff. Now, over the last year plus, all of us have had a ton of changes in, in, in how we work and where we work, our kids being at home, we're at home, I'm trying not to kill them while I'm on one of my Zoom meetings, like you can't, you can't beat your kids while you're on a Zoom meeting, so like you put up your background, then you go beat them, then you come back and like you're right, you're dialed in again and everything is fine. Uh, we have had a lot of changes in the last almost two years, we moved out of the movie theater down in Palladium. Now, this was almost, like, looking back, it almost felt like a stealth mission. Like, we have four uh, staff members who are here regularly. We have two part-time, we have two full-time. So, in the middle of the week, we called up. They knew we were coming. We weren't, it wasn't that stealth. We backed up the trailer. Everything that we set up and tore down there, we moved every one of those things out, put it on the trailer, we moved it over here, we backed it into the fellowship hall, we pulled everything back out, and it sat there for about a year. Then we started pulling it out and we started upfitting this. So many of you guys showed up and you helped us take down the walls. Remember there were offices here, and, and this was just like where trucks would back up and they would keep a lot of stuff. And then we tore down all of these walls, some of them we shouldn't have, we had to pay to have them put back up. But we had fun doing it and like it was good. And then all of a sudden, uh, we start moving in here, and we're trying to figure out how to pay this, our all-in campaign, trying to figure out how we can pay off this building in three years, and all of us are pushing our, our money in, all of us are putting our efforts in, and it should be great. But all of a sudden, okay, we start having a service in here, um, and then you get, like, you can only use 50% of your capacity. And then we also, we're going to ask you to wear masks, and we're also going to, like, hit you with a laser walking in. Like, and all of you conformists who are like, I'm just going to do whatever they ask me to do. I'm not one of those people. I, I, don't, I don't want you taking my temperature. I don't want to wear a mask. I want to sit next to everybody. If there are four people, I want us to be on three chairs. Like, I'm just, at this point, I'm just here to break rules. That's it. It is so hard for me to abide by these rules, but we have. We, we've done a good job, and we've done spacing, and we've done all of the above with that, and it has been good. And then we get in here in the pandemic, and we start having a service. So we start having services. Everybody's stretched out. We start doing kids' services. Now, one of the things, if you go to other churches, you, you might know this. If you don't go to other churches, you don't realize, like, a lot of churches aren't doing any kids' services because... You're not like, hey, excuse me, two-year-old, I'm going to need you to stay six feet away from me and not touch you. They're just like, hey, how are you today? And it's like, it's really hard to do that, but we're like, okay, we're going to do that. But here's the fun. We're going to do all of this. We're going to set everything up. We're going to have service. We're going to do kids' services when most of our volunteers are still online. It's like, oh, so we're going to need you to do 13 things today. You get to do 27 things today. You're like, we're just passing out jobs the whole time. But God just, just continues to do great things here at Catalyst. So at Easter, we went to two services, and the two services just went over great. 
and now we're doing two services. The first one, we're asking you to still wear your mask. So if you're like, I'm not going unless I can wear my mask, great, we've got a service for you. And if you're like, I'm not going if I have to wear a mask, hey, we have a service for you too. We'd love to have you either place, wherever you feel comfortable. And now we also are doing kids over there for two services, still with a lot of our volunteers viewing online. The whole time we did this, we were able to keep the focus on relationships. It wasn't just an event-driven show up, we're going to have 500 people, and then everybody's going to go home and nobody's going to know each other. We got to know each other through this. We got to spend time in each other's homes. We got to spend time in here worshiping together, and it has been fantastic. But here's what, like, here's one of the things that uh, maybe at other places, I don't know, I haven't been in another church in a long time. I, I heard growing up, when I wasn't following Jesus, I always heard people growing up, you go, I go with my grandparents on Sunday morning, it's like, how you doing today? Oh, the Lord's good today. They were lying. Like, some days you have a bad day. And let me tell you, the last year and a half has been a tough, tough year and a half. It has put strains on your marriages, on your relationships. It has put strains on our marriage, our relationships. It has put strains on everything that goes on. So let's just stop and realize the Lord is good. And you can still have bad days. Like, it's allowed. Preachers, you're allowed to have bad days and still follow Jesus God still wants to use you in that. So, so let's just recognize that this has gone on. So if you see one of the staff members, like give them an attaboy, a high five, fist bump, tell them they're doing a good job, just encourage them a little bit because it has been a rough year and a half plus here at Catalyst, but God keeps growing us. The Catalyst Church family has pushed everything in and, and adopting all of the new changes and everything. And they're like, we're changing things on you all the time. And you're like, okay, we have to do this today? Cool, we'll do that today. And like none of you have pushed back, none of you have given us any problems. You have just jumped in and been part of the family, and I want to thank you for that. That has been great. One of the ways that we were able to do that, uh, when we first got back in here, one of the things is we ordained our connection group leaders, and our connection group leaders are the ministers of those groups of people. Now let me say, they have done an excellent job with that. The way your connection group leaders have loved on you and cared for you and, and helped you with some answers and helped you through good times and bad times because they were able to do that. Those of us who work here were able to not have to worry about those people. We were able to care for other people who aren't in connection groups, which we have a majority of our people in connection groups. We have just above 57% of everybody who attends physically is in a connection group. And lives are worked out there and relationships are worked out there. Like when you see your connection group leader, they're, they're having to learn how to do it on, on the computer or in homes or both. Like give them an attaboy. They're doing such a good job of ministering to you guys. Make sure you're taking care of your connection group leaders. Over the last two weeks since we moved to two services here and we decided, hey, we're going to live stream and we're doing two services. We have masks at one. We don't have masks at the other. We're just changing everything around. We've had the largest attendance in the history of Catalyst over the last two weeks. You guys have done a great job of getting the word out about some real folks, real problems, and a real Jesus. That's all we are here. That's all we do. And that's exciting, and I appreciate that. We are here in our last week of experiencing God. This is week number nine for us in experiencing God. Now, so th those of you who have been doing the uh, workbook experiencing God, you're like, Scott, I think you're missing something because there are 12 chapters in experiencing God. Let me just give you something that I've noticed. Just like 
every other Christian book. Any Christian book you pick up, 12 chapters. It's like if it was good enough for the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles, it's good enough for every Christian author. you got to have 12 chapters. Whether you need them or not, you're getting 12. So we are stopping at chapter 9 here. If you've got the workbook, please feel free to go on. It, it is really good material. But here's what happens with chapters 1 through 9. Henry Blackaby does such a great job of helping us understand how to experience God. And he just keeps pointing back to scriptures and how God's always got something going on. or He's always at work around us, and he's chasing us down for our love relationship, and he's still speaking to us and how he's speaking to us, and all of the above, that it's such great material. Then Henry, being the preacher that he is, is like, here's how our church is going to live this out. And he goes ahead and he says, okay, here's how we're going to do this in chapters 10, 11, and 12. First of all, Henry wrote this 20-some years ago. He is uh, up in Canada as he wrote it, and Henry is very Baptist. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being very Baptist. I'm just saying there are other ways to do things besides being very Baptist. Here, we don't do things very Baptist. Uh, you'll notice I'm preaching in jeans and a t-shirt. That, that, is, that is not very Baptist. So there are different ways of doing things that are part of the culture and and the personality of the church that are not chapters 10, 11, and 12. So we do things a little bit different. It doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means we're stopping at chapter 9. Like if you want to go, your connection group wants to go, finish 10, 11, 12, fantastic. Have those discussions. We're stopping here because he goes from pointing at God in the relationship to pointing how Baptists do church. We're not Baptists. I'm not going to show you how Baptists do church. It's fine. Um, It's great. Here's another reason. If you get above 10 weeks in a sermon series, you lose people. Let me tell you, I'm about three weeks in, I'm lost. I'm like, what's the next thing? I'm sort of bored already. What are we doing here? Because I have to prepare a few weeks, and then I'm doing it a few weeks, and I got ADHD, and I'm all over the place, and I'm ready to go, right? Like, I'm like, "Mm mm-mm, let's go. So this is our ninth week, including Easter. That's 10 weeks. I'm ready to move on to our next sermon series, and I am I'm so excited about this sermon series. This sermon series will help us approach Scripture in the right way. Because Scripture is the foundation of everything. But we've got to realize it was written by different people in a different time, in a different culture, on a different continent. And there are some things about that culture that go left unsaid. We're going to help you see the things that go left unsaid. So when you start reading your Bible, you're like, that makes a lot more sense now. So what we're calling the the sermon series is Mindset. We will help change your mindset or get your mindset in the right place so when you approach approach scriptures, you hear the scripture, you see the scripture through the eyes and the ears of the original hearers. And that really helps us understand scripture. Jesus said over and over again, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, what he's saying is you've got to know your scripture. In this sermon series, this mindset sermon series, we are going to help you get some eyes to see and some ears to hear of what's going on. We will point out that these people that we're going to talk about, and a lot of them are going to be character studies, they were real people who had real problems. Like Moses, for example. Let's say Moses. We think of him, he led the children out of Israel. He crossed the Red Sea. He killed somebody. He almost got killed by God because he was disobedient. Wait, wait. Wait, what do you, huh? What do you mean? Exactly. We tend to glaze over and we remember all the good stuff, 
But Moses was fighting to try to follow God. It was not easy for him to follow God. He was a regular guy struggling through everyday life, and he messed up from time to time. And let's see what God did in that and how he does that. And that's what this mindset is going to be about, and it should be fantastic. This week, the last week, I started realizing this uh, yesterday and today a little bit. So this Experiencing God, chapters 1 through 8, are all about what God does. God says, I'm always at work around you. I'm, I'm actively chasing after you in a love relationship. I am asking you to join me in what's going on. Because of that, there will be this crisis of the belief. And he asks you and I to do one thing. And today we're going to talk about that one thing. And let me tell you, you probably are not going to like that one thing a whole bunch. But God asks us to do one thing. John chapter 14, 15 through 24. If you love me, keep my commands. Okay, we can all go home now. Like, it's just that simple. Like, it's that simple. He said, if you love me, because I'm always working around you. I am always trying to have a love relationship with you. I am coming after you. I want you to, I want you to join me in what I'm doing. I want to change your heart. I want to change your life. I want to, if you want all that to happen, I need one thing from you. Obey my commands. This is all about obedience. And like just saying that word, I, the personality that I have, I want to push back against all the rules all the time, even the safe ones. I'm like, I'm not doing it. Well, that helps you stay alive. Ah, I'm ready to go to heaven. I don't even care. <laughs> like I'm, I just, I push back against rules. It's, it's part of my personality and I get it. But this final chapter, this final week is all about obedience. It's about us doing the one thing that God asks us to do is obey. So he goes in and continues on here. This is Jesus, and he's trying to get his guys ready for him to leave. He is about to go into heaven. He realizes this is happening, so he's trying to prep his guys. In verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. Notice it's capitalized, so he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Notice he's giving us a time period here. Because until Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit did not live inside of people for the entire time. Before that, he would live inside of somebody until that job was done. He would rest upon. He would come upon. He would overwhelm. Go and look back into Scripture. See what you see, because that's what's happening. It isn't until Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us forever. And he's saying, for he lives with you and he will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This just, like the way that Jesus is saying this, reminds me that he was all about relationships. He sees his guys. He's telling him to leave. He sees the look in their eyes. He knows that they're afraid. Like, we just dropped everything and started following you. Like, we just... We just do what you, like, we don't even know what we're supposed to do on our own. We just do what you do. And now you're leaving, so, so what will we do when you're not here? And you can see, like, do I go back home? Like, do I go back to the job that I used to have? Like, I'm afraid to say the wrong things. They're, they're trying to kill you. They have been the whole time. I'm not as good as you. What are they going to do? Like, he can see the fear in his eyes, and he's trying, because he loves his guys so much, he's trying to bring them a little comfort. And he says, but I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I am sending one because he's sending the advocate. 
What Jesus says in another place is, I am sending one better. Better than Jesus? Shut up. Watch your mouth, preacher. Like, we can't say stuff like that. Well, he is. And why is the Holy Spirit better than Jesus at this point? Jesus got skin on. He can be in one place at one time saying and talking to one group of people. The Holy Spirit can be everywhere all the time. And in Acts chapter 2, he starts dwelling in every one of us, wherever we go, whenever we go. But Jesus is bound by this skin suit that he has on at this point. And he said, the Holy Spirit is going to show up and he's going to be better, more powerful than I am because he can be everywhere. Verse 19, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. What? What did he just say? Like, I feel like he's talking in circles here a little bit. Sort of what's happening here. This is, a, uh, this is a form of writing that a lot of Jewish people were writing. Now, remember, it's written in Greek, but every single person who wrote a book of the Bible was Jewish. So they thought in Jewish mindset and culture, and they spoke in Greek culture. So the two are mixing together. But what he's saying here is, you just stay connected. Keep your eyes on me. Stay right here with me. I'll stay connected to God the Father. You just stay connected to me. And because you're connected to me, we're all good. I will be the bridge. I will take care of this business. And because when they repeat things in this order, it's because, remember, they didn't, they didn't use exclamation marks. They didn't bold and italicize it and put it in red. They didn't, you know, they didn't put uh, quotes around it. They didn't make the letters bigger, the font bigger. They didn't have that. So they said it like this, and you're like, wait a second, that sounds confusing. Let me read that again. Exactly. That's why they said it. Hey, how about you read it a few more times? Oh, now you get it. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. There's a few parts here. Me and my Western mind, I like to pull this apart, right? Whoever has my commands and keeps my commands, that person loves me. So there's a few things here. We need to make sure that people have the commands of God. Now, this is really simple. Let's not overthink this a whole bunch. How do I get the commands of God? How about read your Bible? Commands of God are in there. How about you uh, study your Bible? You show up on Sunday morning regularly, I'm giving you the commands. Like, I'm, I'm doing it in a way that hopefully you can remember these things. In your connection groups, they talk about commands. In discipleship groups, they talk about the commands. Don't try to make this all abstract and ethereal. Uh, read your Bible. That's really what it comes down to. And now, now that you know I'm supposed to do this, do it. And that's where the rub comes in sometimes. Like, that's when it starts getting hard. It's like, I know intellectually I understand all these things about God. I just don't want to do some of these things because they're hard. Oh, I don't like doing hard things. Like, that's going to change how I live. That's going to change my finances. That's going to change where I spend my time, who my friends are. It's going to change everything. And I don't like that. And God's like, and? But those who have my commands and keep them is the one who loves me. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. 
These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So I think there's, what I want you to understand is there is no way to disconnect loving God and obeying God. This is, put your money where your mouth is. This is, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, but I'm going to run around and do everything that shows you that I don't love you, even though I'm saying I'm loving you. It's like, no, um, this is easier. Living it out, a whole bunch harder. So actions speak louder than words is exactly what John is saying here. I'm looking for some actions, not those words. So in your connection groups, I hope you spend a little bit of time looking at some of the examples they give you, Abraham, Moses, uh, Jonah, uh, Peter, how all of these guys, all of the big men of God who did big things for God wrecked things along the way. But they never stopped following God, and God cleaned up the mess, and he moved them on forward. Don't miss those things. Go check out those stories. So the writer of the Gospel of John was like, okay, he finished writing the Gospel of John. He's like, you know what? I got some more to say. I think I'm going to say some other stuff. So he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. You find those further on back in your Bible. And in 1st John, he sort of picks up where he left off in John 14. We see in verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Ooh, man, stepping on some toes today, right? Like Jesus was stepping on some toes. John was stepping on some toes. God's just following along, and if I get to step on some toes... It doesn't break my heart, uh, so we'll keep going. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. Now, the, the um, people who translated the Bible here, they did a good job of making sure that uh, this fit into our culture. But it's, it took it out of the culture that it was written in, and we, I think we've got to get that. So one of the things it says here, uh, a more literal translation would be, whoever claims to walk in him must walk as Jesus walked. And it's like, okay, I, I guess I can sort of buy into what that's saying. It, it does sound better the way that they wrote it here. But what they're doing here is they're making a very, very Jewish statement. This is one of those things that goes left unsaid in Scripture that we just don't notice because we weren't there. We didn't walk everywhere. We get in our cars and we drive. We do everything that we do. So if I come up to you today and I'm trying to check in on you and I come and I ask you like uh, friends do, how you doing? Right? Like, I want to know how you're doing. Um, I'm trying to figure out what's going on in your life and you might say, well, I'm doing good today. I I'm having a bad day today. Whatever it might be. And if you spent much time with me, the next question that comes out of my mouth normally is like, what makes it good? What, like, tell me what makes it bad. Because good and bad are very abstract statements. The Jewish people would never have accepted this. They, they were concrete people. I am a very uh, literal and visual person. So it's hard for me to get this sometimes. So I will ask, so what makes it good? Well, I've been reading my Bible a whole lot lately. Nice job. That, that explains it. That makes it good. Or what's been bad? Like, we've just been fighting at home. Like, like my, my marriage is just, 
We're in a rough place right now. It's like, yeah, that makes for a bad day. I get that. I get that. Let's be real here. Let's figure this out here. So, so what they did, instead of having to ask the second question, they would say, how's your walk? How are you walking today? Because one of the things that they understood was God created a path from where we're starting right now directly to him. And all we have to do is stay on the path. It's just that simple. It's very concrete. We all understand it. Just stay on the path. There might be some wines. There might be some hills. But just stay on the path. All of them understood that. We don't get that. We miss that sometimes. But sometimes, like if you ask somebody, how's your walk? You might say, I'm running on that path right now. And like, oh, nice. Like, tell me what you're doing that, that makes that walk so good right now. Some of you might be like, I'm limping along. Like, it, it's a little fight right now. Some of you are like, you know what? I was really following God, and then I got there, and I'm like, I don't know that I will. And you, like, backed up your walk a little bit. Some of you just ran off the path, said, I'm going to do my own thing. I believe, yeah, I believe this is what God wants me to do. There's, oh, there's a, there's a turtle, there's a tree, there's a, and I'm, boom, I'm gone. And then all of a sudden, you're so far away from God, you didn't realize you were away from God. This is where our Western mind kicks in, and we want to say, oh, I feel so bad, and you're begging God for forgiveness. He's like, dude, get on the path. Just get back on the path. That's all I need you to do is get back on the path. Just walk. They understood this. We see it in Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. God is just, a, just stay on the path. It will lead you directly to me and it will be good. But here, here's the good thing about the way that they understood their relationship with God and how to get to God is yesterday didn't matter. I don't care what you have done. I don't care how many bad decisions you have made in your past. I don't care what you did last night and how you wrecked everything. God's like, can you get back on the path? That, I, I don't care. But God, I did this. He's like, yeah, I know. Get back on the path. Just be obedient. Just do what you know you're supposed to do. Here's what you need to get. We learn who and what God is like through obedience. You might have heard about God. You heard some people sing about God. You know his personality and his character when we start becoming obedient. Because there will be all times we're very obedient, and there will be times where we will mess up. But when we stay in that relationship with God, we figure out how to make it work. He works with us. We work with him. We learn who and what God is like through obedience. If you cannot take that step to obedience, if you cannot do what he asks you to do, are you really following Jesus? I want to look at one more place. One more place, we're going to look in James. Now, James is one of the last books in the Bible. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And James is the brother of Jesus. Now, if you have siblings, what would it take for them to do to make you believe that they're the Messiah? A, a whole bunch. The same things happened to James. Jesus is like, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. And James is like, yeah, shut your mouth, your room's not clean. I'm not trying to hear your mouth. Like, there's a whole bunch. It isn't until later on in Jesus' ministry that James starts following him. People say this is one of the best reasons to understand that Jesus was actually the Messiah. Because what does your brother or sister have to do to make you think that 
you're the one everybody's been waiting on. Like, this is big. Then also think, okay, in my family, I wonder, who are my parents' favorites? Jesus. Like, every, they didn't have to ask then. Everybody knew Jesus was the favorite of Mary and Joseph. James like, whatever, man, he's their favorite. So could you imagine going to a party after Jesus had been there a couple months ago, and everybody's partying, having a good time, and then all of a sudden, the wine gets out, and everybody's like, Hey, James, we got some water here. Last time your brother was here, he turned it into wine for us. He's like, dude, I'm not Jesus. I'm not, I can't do what he did. But James was out, and I believe he was running into some people who were like, you know what, I just believe. I just have faith. I'm a very spiritual person. And I believe James got tired of that, which sounds much like what I hear today in our society. And here's what he writes. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Oh, you believe in me, but you're not willing to do anything about it? It doesn't really work. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Oh, I'm just, I just believe. I just have faith. If you're supposed to put God on display everywhere you go, how do you do that by not obeying what he says? You can't. There's no way to do that. You have to be obedient to what he says. So let's start not with just, oh, I believe. Yeah, you and the demons are in the same boat. Congratulations. I don't know if that's a boat you want to be in. Maybe it's time to start living out and putting actions into place. And it'll take you on that path to God right where you want to be. Let's start today with the easy stuff. Start reading your Bible every day. It'll take you three to four minutes to read a chapter. Start reading your Bible. Start spending time in prayer. Join a connection group. Start serving. Start giving. Start following. These are all things all of us know we're supposed to do, and some of us are just like, yeah, I like those two, not that one. But here's the good news for all of you. Today, you can get back on the path. It doesn't matter what you did before you got here, what you did last night. You can get back on the path today and start walking the good walk. Today is the first day of the rest of your walk. And it is completely up to you if you will do the one thing that God asks you to do is be obedient. Today, we get to celebrate some obedience. We're going to do a baptism here in a minute. And, and she decided, and God has, seems like has been working with a million and a half people in her life over the last little while, which is, I like when God does teamwork. That's always fun. But a few things that the scripture tells us, oh, we are supposed to be baptized. Whether you like it or not, you got to talk to Jesus about that. And Logan came and said, you know what? It's time. I want to be obedient. So we're going to go ahead and sing here for just a second, and then um, I'm going to go over here, and we're going to get Logan all ready, and we'll see some obedience in action. <laughs> 